Hello, everybody. Good morning, evening, afternoon. Welcome to the show, The Big Show, the most critically important podcast that is recorded in our car. And that's right, we are on the road again today. We're driving around a corner and we see a bunch of people out there wearing orange, picking up trash. picking up a trash. That would be a local 4-H club out there keeping the roadside cleaned up, which is great. If it was 4-H, how come it was all parent-aged parent people? It's because it's 4-H. The kids don't actually do anything in 4-H anymore. Oh, I cannot. Oh, boy. You you must never, <laughs> words up ever criticize 4-H. It is doom and death to do so. Country rule number one, 4-H is sacrosanct and above all else. Or else. <laughs> <laughs> so, now that I've stepped in it, a big old cow pile of, um, of uh, information there. We're going to get to talk. We're doing a mystery episode today. It's a mystery, mystery to me. you, and it's a mystery to my co-host, Spice. Hello, I am Salty. I'm Spice. And in case we hadn't mentioned it, but I'm going to, I'm introducing something that she, we're, we're adding a new section to our website, and she doesn't even know what it is. Hmm. <laughs> but the minute I say it, she'll go, okay, I'm down. Because I know her. I've been married to her for over 35, 40 years now. No, not forty-five. Just kind of seems that way. <laughs> <laughs> We've been married for twelve happy years and twenty-four total. <laughs> just, just kidding. Joke, people. You guys have to make that joke. I think it's a law. It is a law, and she's a real good sport about it. Now we're going to talk about a new section we're adding, and and this I doubt will be a very popular section. Amongst people, but we're doing it anyway because we are beans, bullets, bandages, and you. And we're trying to get the information out there to the public that we have, that we know, that the public, the prepping public needs. And one of the things that's pretty obvious the prepping public needs is to focus on their health now a little bit more. So we are introducing the prepper health section. Of our website. Prepper Health. Prepper Health. And we have a, uh, an, a, a, an expert, somebody who would work you into the ground, most likely, unless you're an aerobics instructor. And even then, depends on what you're doing, whether she'll work you in the ground. And then you got a guy like me who grudgingly comes along and does his 45 minutes of cardio a day. Unless it's a beautiful day and I'm riding my bike, and then I don't mind. You know, I'm the grudging guy doing it to maintain at least a minimum amount of uh, cardiovascular health. Kind of like I will lift weights. So that my uh, blood pressure, my blood sugar, my uh, um, all the other stuff. Atherosclerosis. Yeah, my atherosclerosis, my um, cholesterol kind of stuff stays down. And, um, you know... So far, so good. I'm a, I'm a big guy. I admit it. I'm a really big guy. And I go in and get a blood test. And hopefully this continues because I got one coming up. But in the past, I've been going. So I'll say in the past, I've been going in and they've been looking at my blood test going, are these right? Really? <laughs> I look like a, a the typical meat and taters guy that should have blood pressure 175 over 125. Now, I do have to watch my blood pressure. I'll be honest with that. Um, and I should have, um, 
a cholesterol level in the 300s and all that. But I don't. The cholesterol is actually really good. It's She works out really, really, really hard. And she's mine's better than hers. And that's because of genetics. He and chose his parents just, better than I chose mine as far as... Blood pressure goes. Blood atherosclerosis goes, yeah. Yeah. Blood lipids. Not in all levels. Her parents were pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I liked them. But as far as atherosclerosis and blood pressure and stuff like that, they weren't great. They didn't give me a good genetic draw. But you got to play the hand you're dealt, guys. So, And part the first part of knowing or playing the hand you're dealt is knowing what's going on. So you do have to keep going in and getting the blood tests and doing the doing the physicals. And, and so we're going to come up with a whole bunch you of... You noticed, by the way, DNA testing was not on that list of things you should probably be doing to know where you are. I think they are over-interpret those results to a very high degree. The marketing has jumped ahead of the science to a very large extent on those guys. So, yeah, so that DNA testing has nothing to do with your health. I'm not saying <laughs> that, nothing. That DNA testing. I'm to saying I don't bother. Okay. So anyway, long story short, we're going to start talking about some of the things that we think everybody should be concentrating on because... Stuff hits the fan situations, whether they be your personal stuff hit the fan situation or nationwide, statewide, area-wide, worldwide. However, they are a come-as-you-are disaster because you're going to be in the middle of a disaster and you're going to be as you are. You're not going to be, oh, yeah, let me get six months to get myself buff before that disaster happens. It won't be that way. Whatever it is, whether it's your... your um, um, truck axle falls out of your car or your truck and you've got to walk 15 miles back to town. You know, that's a disaster of a minor scale, but it could be a really big disaster if you can't walk. Not to mention months. having a heart attack at any point in time is its very own disaster. It happened again this year. It happened to a guy I know very, very, very well. Um, he went out. Guy was looked fit. He went out. One of my neighbors. Oh, yeah. We've got a running whistle pig in front of us. And he's running right down the, the road. Middle of the road. Us. Come Dude, on, whistle pig. Bad choice. He's a furry little whistle pig, it's, too. Yeah, he hasn't fully shed out yet. In case you don't know what a whistle pig groundhog is, that's day. a groundhog. Yeah, it's groundhog day today. Yeah, but this neighbor of mine went out. To shovel snow, he's a hardworking guy. He's a guy that, the kind of guy that would never back down. He was a hardworking man. He worked at a, at a, at a re, quote unquote, real job, a real man's job. Um, hard contracted labor type stuff. And, uh, he was the kind of guy who'd, if you were working with him and you stopped to take a rest, he'd give you the look or kind of needle you and say, come on now, we are here to work. Well, he fell over dead shoveling snow this winter. Why? Because he wasn't in good cardio shape. He smoked. And frankly, he didn't rest when he felt like he needed to rest. He pressed on. And, you know, it won't kill you unless it does. Now, obviously, he had an undiagnosed heart problem. But, you know, he was also one of these guys that's, ah, yeah, I haven't been feeling great, but I'm not going to go see the doctor because I'm until I'm ready to fall over dead. Well, 
Sometimes you don't get that choice. Sometimes you just fall over dead instead of going to see the doctor. So, um, what we're going to do is we're going to, we're not really going to introduce a whole lot of things here in this podcast because we're going to introduce them over time in the series. But one thing that, that sparked my, um, sparked my thought about, uh, the opening gambit of our series. I think is a very realistic place to start. And it was a conversation I was having with Spice in the car here just before we started. Um, assessment. To go. know where you're going, you have to know where you are. Okay? True. And now she is a physiologist. She, That's somebody who yeah, studies this, how the body works. This is what she does for a living. And... I always, you know, I'm a, I, I like tech toys. I do. I mean, I'm a guy. I'm, guys like tech toys. Some, some women do, too. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I, I like toys. And, you know, if there's a guy on your block that owns a drone, it's probably going to be me. I actually don't anymore. I gave mine away because, I. long story, we don't need to worry about that. Um, but, you know, I'm the guy with the, with the, uh, the tech toys. And I've been seeing these... Uh, little watches that do the monitor thingy, you know, and I've been kind of watching them and stuff like that. It's not absolutely something I have no interest in. I do not wear any rings of any kind. I don't care. wear watches. I don't wear jewelry. The only thing I wear on my body other than clothing and shoes are glasses. I just don't like things on me, watches, rings, anything. It's just, bleh, don't like them. She, however, always used to wear a watch before the phone thing kind of took over from the time. And, uh, so I was, I was looking at these little heart, these little monitor things. Um, and I'm like, okay, this one's on sale and it's very small. I'll bet she'd like to play with that. You know, it was a little over a hundred bucks. And I have a bad habit of, uh, impulse buying things that are a little over a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I've really been working to break that habit, by the way. So I'm like, I just buy her a little present. We don't do presents in the normal sense. We don't do birthday presents. We don't do Christmas presents at all. But we will buy each other presents from time to time, just kind of randomly. Because to me, that makes it it means more when it's not expected. It just becomes as a, oh, here it is. So I bought her this, and I gave it to her. And I'll let you let her describe her reaction to it, and then as... It moved from this cool little thing in a box to this battered-looking, <laughs> worn-out, probably going to have to be replaced fairly soon thing that is on her wrist now day and night. The first uh, response was distrust. because first, first of all, what is it? It's a Fitbit. It's a Fitbit 2 something, or something like something that. Well, One model or another. Uh, not one of the fairly low-end models of the Fitbit, which is a popular brand. There's a bunch of other brands out there. Um, it's got a couple of uh, light sensors on the back that it uses to watch the blood flow going through the little vessels in my arm. So it can monitor uh, heart rate. And uh, uh, by doing things like that and watching changes in that over time, it can infer things about like when I'm sleeping and... It's got a motion sensor in it, so it can tell when my arm's moving, and it thinks from that it knows 
when I'm walking and stuff like that. And it uses my heart rate to calculate how many calories I'm burning when doing various things. So my first response was distrust because a lot of these wearable monitors that were not the high-end medical versions have historically been quite inaccurate. And this one is also sort of inaccurate. Um, arm's just moving around a whole lot, and it's hard for it to keep track of things. But it's got robust enough software in there. It can make some good guesses about some of the data it's missing, so it's, it's not bad on that regard. Do I think it's a vital health tool for me? No. I mean, I'm a physiologist. I I have always trying out equipment and things like that. I know where I am. It's not like it's a big surprise. I'm the kind of person who goes in to see her doctor and I just give him results that I've worked up on myself when I'm doing something else so I don't have to go and get the test done elsewhere kind of thing. I am not a physician, I'm, but, you know. Okay, now I've got an as an aside. This is an important thing. This is kind of a, it's an aside, but it's a, it's a, it's kind of an important thing. Because, um, unfortunately, a little over 10 years ago, 15 years ago, somewhere back in the, in the dark ages, uh, she was diagnosed with cancer. And she, like I said, she is a physiologist. She knows this stuff. And the diagnosing doctor basically said that she needed to find a, sur a, a surgeon and an oncologist. Well, she met with the surgeon, and she liked the surgeon right away. Uh, good guy, good surgeon, really good reputation. Uh, general surgeon, but, you know, this was not the end of the... Yeah, this wasn't a tricky surgery. Yeah, this particular one wasn't. And then they, yeah. there were a couple of different ways, because we're in a small area. There's only a couple of different ways you could go on the cardiology. And we went to see the, or oncology. the oncology. We went to see the oncologist. And the first one we went to, man, he gave, I mean, we went in there, and it was one of those uh, oncology clinics. There were just people stacked everywhere, all over the place. It looked like, a, it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to describe, but it looked kind of like a, uh, a backdoor type operation. Yeah, you'd, you'd think it was somewhere uh, with one little clinic to serve a whole bunch of people, and uh, every people were walking around in these gowns that weren't really covering their body in the in the basic meeting area. Yeah, and they were pulling around their little IV stands with them as they shuffled slowly from. One bad plastic chair to another bad plastic chair. It was it was not creepy. Yeah, it was creepy. So disturbing. anyway, we we went and saw uh, saw the guy, and she started talking to the guy, and he says, "Okay, well, what I'm looking at doing, or what I'm going to do is this is how he starts. What I'm going to do is blah 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 blah." And she says, "Okay, well, I have some questions." He says, "Okay." And she asks him a specific question that somebody with medical knowledge would have. Because, I mean, she's a physiologist. She knows this stuff. She wants to know exactly what this drug is going to do. And she asked it in a scientific fashion. And the guy just kind of stared at her. 
and he gave her a, oh, you don't need to worry about that kind of answer. And, you know, he just basically blew it off and started blustering. So she asked him another question. And, you know, it's same kind of kind of deal. I mean, I, it was... He didn't want to answer. He, he asked me a nurse, if I was a nurse, like that was an accusation of some evil crime. I said, no, I'm a physiologist, and I just want to know what these are doing. Anyway. Before I take them. He said, oh, well, you're going to take them if I prescribe them. <laughs> In my mind, I was like, heck no. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, it, yeah, It wasn't my heck. But uh, I, I know these things are serious poisons. I am absolutely not taking them until I'm convinced I know what they're likely to do. So, you know, anyway, I've got, we're going to make a quick pause here and uh, reduce that rattle that's in the back seat. So we basically, sorry about the, I know you really not much of a disturbing for you because we had to, we had a rattle, we had to stop. We decided, well, I mean, you know, obviously the meeting was over and we left. We got out to the car. And for the first time in this entire project, I mean, from her diagnosis all the way on down, she broke down and really was upset. And she's like, we've got to, we've got to try somebody else. I can't, I just don't, I don't like that man. I don't trust that man. And I'm like, fine. We don't, even if we have to go across state line or whatever, we'll do what we have to do. So. We went back to our our general practitioner and said, we need another recommendation because that guy is just no. He hadn't known either guy. He hadn't known, yeah. He because they were both new to, new to town. Right. And had told me to start with, if you don't like this guy, let me know. I don't know either one, so I'm setting you up with the one who's, who's soonest. But you're going to have to, you're going to have a relationship with this guy for a while. So uh, we yeah. went back and, yeah, let's try the other one. Okay, so we... We were like, and so we started asking around with the other one, and the other people said, "Well, he's kind of weird." And it's all oncologists are kind of weird. <laughs> you have it's to just be. It's a tough job. The thing because it's a hard job. So we made an appointment with the the other oncologist, and she's a performance athlete, and turns out he was too she's a cyclist he was a cyclist well we went in there and uh yeah he was he is kind of a little bit of a a different kind of guy but again he's an oncologist so you would expect that and uh the first thing she did was she's he said well he said okay well generally we give this treatment here and so she asked him the same exact question and the total opposite reaction happened he's like oh his eyes lit up uh, he's, are you, I get to talk about are you this. in the industry? Um, and she said, well, you know, I'm a physiologist. And she, he said, okay, then you'll understand what I'm saying. And he just starts in, and they're off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, what this is, this is exactly what it's going to do. It's going to do this. Gonna, he's like, okay, this does it. Well, nobody really knows why this does this, but it does. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, boo, boo, boo. Laying out what the risks were and, and you what know, the he's potential like, benefits yeah, were. And he's and like, oh, yeah, this is some serious poison. You're getting the full meal deal. This is some serious, serious stuff. And I normally wouldn't go this way, but, you know, because I don't like how, I don't like what I'm seeing here, and blah, 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 blah. And they just hit it off because he was truthful. He answered the questions completely. He obviously is competent. 
and I, he was direct and not sugarcoating things. It turns out, upon further discussion, yeah, well, that that's what some people don't like about him. Yeah, that's what a lot of people. <laughs> He's direct. You, you know, is yeah, he was very, very direct. Sometimes very, the direct things oncologists have to say are un, not fun to hear. No, <laughs> sometimes they're not fun to hear at all, and it's never fun to hear what an oncologist has to say. Um, even when they give you good news, it's always tempered with for now. <laughs> yeah. You know, as I remember one of the things he said, breast cancer is the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. <laughs> and he was right about that. So anyway, um, and this is a guy she's maintained a relationship as an oncologist with for almost 15 years now, which is, that's good because that's 15 years beyond yeah. when she got her. But anyway, long story short, and the reason I brought this up is that there are uh, there are multiple health providers, and you need to make sure that you're comfortable with the competence and the communications of the one that you have. And both aspects of that are important. Some people are very good communicators, but what they're selling you is not very specific, and it's it's largely a bunch of platitudes. I was reading something this morning that was that way. The person was a good communicator. And they were saying all the things that people usually say, but it was clear to me that he didn't really understand what the heck the stuff meant. He was just saying it because it was the things people usually say. Now, there's a second aside to our story. And you can look it up. You can go onto a search engine of your choice. I personally recommend DuckDuckGo or Epic. And I'm not going to give you names, but you can look it up in North Missouri. For a doctor who was convicted of fraud, and that was the guy, first guy we went to, turns out he defrauded people and basically was a monster. It turned I mean, out he was taking people who were on a maintenance chemotherapy program and he was taking their drugs, the empty bags, and refilling them with a saline solution. Because these are really expensive drugs, and he got to pocket the difference. Yeah, and those people were going to die anyway. So, yeah, he was doing that. And he got caught. <laughs> and he got, yeah. I see he, why he didn't didn't trust nurses. One of his nurses yeah. turned him in. Yeah, one of the he nurses, always mixed his own drugs, which is kind of weird when you have oncology nurses. Well, they don't. Yeah, they don't mix. But, it, you know, he always hung his own drugs. So because they would know this is not factory fresh. He, so he always hung his own bags. He says it's his own little quirk, but in reality, it was. But he got caught. One of the nurses caught him, and of course, the instant she saw what he was doing, it was. Go you know, time. <laughs> it was go time right there. I mean, she called the authorities. I don't know whoever the authorities are for that sort of thing. But she had the, the uh, she brought in, called in the entire wolf pack on him. <laughs> and it turns out he'd been given saline solution instead of chemotherapy to a lot of patients. And I believe the way they actually got him was uh, for Medicare and Medicaid fraud. Because it's hard to, you know, it's hard to say on anything else, but he was, they got him on the fraud part of it because they were able to take his records from what he purchased versus what he billed. End of story. That's how they got him. They couldn't prove anything else, but they could prove that he, he billed them for a lot more than he purchased. 
and he went down for that. So that's why the guy was – now, this is an unusual situation. I mean, I've, don't, I've never even heard of anybody else doing this, but these kind of things are out there. So, you know, if people don't want to answer your questions in the medical field, there may be many, many reasons for it, but walk. There's also a lot of people who are selling treatments that don't have really good evidence behind them. That's why on 3BY, I spend a lot of my time and effort for the site researching the scientific background of a lot of different treatments so I can pass them on. Because I am, I am expert enough to be able to read and understand the literature, but I'm not an expert in all these various fields. And most other people aren't either. But I think it's important to know where the decisions are coming from, to make decisions based on good ground. So I'm mostly trying to provide good ground by telling you what the actual evidence is out there, and then you can do whatever you think best. Okay, so where does this leave us? Now, first of all, I think you know we're going to start out with uh, talking about assessment. I think that's a reasonable, because you've got to know where you are before anything else. And we've had some, we've talked about a little bit on podcasts before about knowing, knowing where you are, but I think we need to do a little bit more on that. How to actually do assessments and uh, figuring out where you are health wise and what it is you need to work on. And there's some other things that aren't just particularly health related, um, they're also fitness related. That, you know, we need to look at. Now, you know, when you go to prepper websites all over the place, and I'm not using that name as a, as a specific place, but prepping websites, you know, you tend to see the same things over and over and over again. And one of the things you see is the bug out bag. I mean, my gosh, how many bug out bag things have you seen? But people love talking about bug out bags. So what we're doing right now is, we're actually in the process of doing some field testing of what it is like to hike at various weights. When you are not an 18-year-old super specimen, just came out of boot camp military person. You know, so many people use the military experience as a uh, indicator, an example of what should or can be done. And there's a big difference between being a 45-year-old man who sits behind a desk all day and a 19-year-old kid who just came out of boot camp. That's what they're expected to do. You know, it's just a huge difference. So she's actually been doing some hiking with varying different weights. Uh, we're in the, I'm in the process of setting her up a hiking rig not really a bug out bag, but a hiking rig that uses very, very, very lightweight stuff. And of course, we go back to the old uh, Keith Bontrager trio of light, cheap, strong, pick two. So light, cheap, strong, pick two is going to be one of those things that you're going to hear a lot of from us because I think it's very true. So, yeah, we're looking at, at uh, you know, what's your fitness level have to be to carry 35 pounds on your back? What does your fitness ha- level have to be to carry, or X percentage of your body weight on your back to be more fair? Because somebody who's her weight at 120 pounds will have a lot more trouble carrying long-term uh, 50 pounds on her back 
than a person who's, you know, 210 pounds and still the same amount of the same general fitness level, that person can ease more, much more easily carry 50 pounds. Yeah, a six-foot-tall guy could have been carrying the pack I was struggling with. But you weren't really At the struggling. same fitness level. No, but if I had to do 20-mile days, I'd have been struggling. Yeah, a lot of people, and this is why we're doing this, a lot of people underestimate what they can do or overestimate what they can do. Yeah. They overestimate what they're physically able to do. So basically, we want to start with assessments. What are you physically capable of doing? Can you walk 10 miles with a 35-pound backpack? Most people say, oh, sure. Well, have you done it? Have you tried it? And part of your assessment is also going to be not just your health, but your gear. Do you have the shoes to do it? You know? Do you have the do you have the pack to do it? So this is gonna be a synergistic type thing. So this is this is what the future will hold. Do you wanna add anything else to it? Do you have any other ideas that you want to share right now as to ideas that are coming into your head on the series? I will was just thinking about maybe helping people figure out how to use the health assessments they have now to help guide their preps. Like, I think most adults probably ought to have a blood pressure cuff and a stethoscope so they can take blood pressures. And then what do you do about it? Because a whole lot of, more than half the adults in the country actually have blood pressure that's higher than it ought to be. And in a stressful situation, that goes way up. And, and the first time something dramatically bad happens, I expect a whole lot of... Hypertensive incidents. And- yeah, because this is a synergistic thing, too, because not only do we have that stress, and not only do we have the uh, the situation you're in, but so much of the prepper food we have stored is really high in sodium. <laughs> so it's a synergy. You're getting stressed. You're getting really, really high sodium levels coming in. This could be a problem. There's and you're also having, getting storm. into a, sh- a shortage of, you know, drugs that you may be taking now. So it's a, and we've talked about this before, but we need to talk about it again because, you know, this is part of what it's we're. It's an important prepping aspect for modern America. It's not, it's not the frontiersman kind of prepping. It's taking people where they are now and trying to make sure they they do well when tough times come to them. Now, that's right. a much bigger feature than it was for your great grandpa. Exactly, and the, you know, one of the things I keep hearing about is, you know, we like traditional food. We like that tra- big traditional breakfast, right? Well, when you have that big traditional breakfast with the eggs and the toast and the bacon and the butter and all that kind of stuff, you know, you're loading up to go out and do a hard day's worth of plowing, right? Or you're going to go out and thresh by hand, right? Or you're going to herd cattle all day long. You're going to be up and active and out all day long. The kind of diet they had was reflective of the amount of food that they needed to give them the energy of what they have. Now, you don't need that same type of high-fat, high-cholesterol, high-calorie diet to go sit at a desk. And this is, these are the types of things we want. Well, they do, this is what they did 100 years ago. No, that's not what they did 100 years ago. They did that, went out and did a lot of hard work 100 years ago. If you think about how many labor-saving devices we've put into our world. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But we have to adjust for the fact that, yeah. that our bodies were 
you know, supposed to do more work than they do now. I would actually go a little further and say to an extent there is a problem with that because it encourages people to be so basically sedentary that they miss a lot of opportunities. I, you know, putting a laundry out on the line instead of putting it in the dryer, you know, uh, washing dishes by hand even. It's when you take a look at uh, how much time people spend just physically sitting relatively still instead of moving in minor ways, that is actually a very big difference from a couple generations ago. And that's one of the things this Fitbit is good for. Because it'll tell you, get off your butt and go do something. Yeah, it's got a step tracker. And that's good. That's a, it's a, it's a good, that's what I'm going to answer. I think we'll actually do probably a, a whole story on the Fitbit and why, why a Fitbit's a good idea for a prepping. Because I think that. Or at least might be. It, yeah, it might, might be. give some insight. Even um, borrowing one from somebody for a week to see where you are. I mean, you don't have to shell out 150 bucks. I, I, I enjoy mine because I'm a physiologist and I get to try various things and see what happens to my physiology with it. It's intellectual entertainment for me, to be honest. I don't need this to. But keep you fit. work with a lot of athletes. I do. You work with a lot of athletes who wear these things and monitor these things. And it's an important part. Well, it's not, you know, it's, it's a part of their overall way of monitoring where they're at. And for an athlete, it's a really good idea. But anyway, I think, you know, it's the kind of, we're going to talk about kind of like gorilla workouts. The things that I do, even though I'm a, I'm an old chubby guy, I admit it. But, you know, I, have a timer on my office desk. It goes off every hour on the hour, and I make a lap of the office. And our office has got some decent... But what I do is I walk by and I check on everybody because my job involves, you know, making sure that everybody's being productive. So I just walk around the entire office, and then I go back. And, you know, by the time I've done, I've done 250, 300 steps. Now, that doesn't sound like much, but it gets my blood circulating, gets my heart moving a little bit. I mean, it's not like I'm working out or anything like that. It gets the blood circulating in my legs. It just keeps me away from getting blood clots in my legs, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I was just listening to a continuing medical education thing a couple days ago when the basic problem was, hey, this guy's a truck driver, and he suddenly starts uh, feeling pain behind his knee, and the immediate response was blood clot. Um, he sits all day, um, and he's form this blood clot in his leg, and we hope we get it dissolved before it goes to his lung and stops so, blood flow there. So we're going to talk about that uh, in the future. we got some several of these things. And, okay, I get that these are not typical prepper things that you're going to read elsewhere. And, but, you know, hey, we think that having you actually alive is an important part of survival. Sometimes you got to decide whether you're doing this because it's interesting and fun to think about and whether you, you know... Or scary. Yeah. Or, or fear you know, If, if, if you are fair. buying off your fear, which a lot of people are, honestly. Yeah. Uh, if you're in it because it's of the interest to you or you're in it because you really want to be ready. And the approaches are different for those two things. I mean, if you're just in it because you 
paying attention to it helps allay your fears, then it might be perfectly fine to read 45 descriptions of how to build a bob and nothing else. But if you actually want to be ready to deal with situations, it requires a different approach. And one last thing I'm gonna, I'm, I want to mention is, I know we're getting a little long here. One last thing I want to mention is, you know, the, the whole, I'm really into the idea of synergy and the whole idea of buying gear to be prepped without actually putting in the work to actually know how to use it, make sure you can carry it. You know, you're not prepped, you're just well supplied. And, like, a bug-out bag will do you no good if you're not fit enough to carry it to where you're going. It's that simple. It's just, you know, if you can't carry 20 pounds for the amount of miles you want to go, then your bug-out bag has got to weigh less than 20 pounds. Or there's no point of having it. So, this is what we're going to be looking at. If you laughed at that 20 pounds, try it first. Where are you at? What are you doing? If you can't do it, you got a choice. You can either carry less or we like the, the idea of getting fit more. <laughs> you know, that's our choice. So anyway, hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll catch you next time and uh, hope you enjoyed the series.